get good advisors and get them early. I think that's the most critical thing is in the, like a couple of years before when you think you're ready is get some good advisors around you, do your networking and really try to understand, is this really for you? Keep in mind, you, you don't have to do this at all. There's no one telling you need to do this. Get good advisors around you. Understand if this is really for you. Are you willing to accept the risk? Can you see the opportunities out there? But above all, just don't be too emotional about it all. Just be as level-headed and as objective as possible. Hi, I'm John Thornett, Director at Peak Strategies Chartered Accountants, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Purchasing a pharmacy is a huge investment of both time and money, and that's why it's vital that you conduct the proper research before jumping into the world of pharmacy ownership. Today, we will be discussing with John Thornett, Director at Peak Strategies Chartered Accountants, on how to prepare yourself to buy your first pharmacy. John will be sharing with us some amazing advice and tips from his first-hand experience dealing with first-time pharmacy buyers. These tips include the power of having trusted advisors, what to do when presented with an opportunity to buy a pharmacy, and how important due diligence is when looking at a potential pharmacy. Here's John. Welcome to the show, John. As I mentioned in the intro, buying a pharmacy is a huge investment and a big step for any pharmacist. Some people might think that we'd start when someone decides that they're going to buy a pharmacy. In other words, they actively start looking. But I'm curious about whether the process should start well before that decision in preparation for that decision. Oh, look, most definitely. There's, um, you know, your times there of the research actually starts probably years beforehand. Uh, You can't just fly into it with, with with blinkers on and just launch into it and go spend a million dollars yeah because it seems like a good idea uh, you know you'd, if you consider the the size of the debt and the size of the investment i mean people will be spending more on this transaction in buying their first pharmacy and sometimes what they'll ever spend on their first house so there's a lot of research that you need to do and i wouldn't use it research in its formal sense, but more of really trying to get an understanding of what it is exactly you're getting into. And particularly if you use the term, you don't know what you don't know, it's very relevant here. So a couple of suggestions that I would have is, now the, the pharmacy industry around Australia has some great networking events. You can look at APP, which is enormous. You've got uh, the New South Wales Pharmacy Connect. WA has Pharmacy Forum. Tasmania's got one as well. They are actually really, really good starting points. So I would sort of make sure you go to those. Go talk to other pharmacy owners from the more experienced ones. Also go talk to some of the, uh, the, younger, uh, the younger pharmacy owners as well. Go talk to all the people on the trade stands as well, uh, you know, whether it's uh, banks, finance brokers, business brokers, accountants, um, the wholesalers. It's a really good starting point when 
you're not really sure what's involved. You're not really sure what's the issues you need to be aware of. And this is a great time, you know, a couple of years leading into it, just go talk to as many people as possible. Uh, you know, the good parts, the bad parts, what works, what doesn't work. Um, you know, do that, do that sort of networking uh, beforehand. And thankfully, uh, the pharmacy community around Australia, there's a lot of events that goes on over the course of the, the calendar year. So make sure you go to those. The other important point here is, particularly is under is understanding the level of your funding capacity as well because it's sort of really critical at this early stage and if we if we keep it simple when you go borrow money to buy a pharmacy the bank's going to want security okay now they will use the pharmacy as security but probably only to the extent of about 70 80 percent meaning that balance of 20 to 30% is actually what you've got to come up with yourself. So if we keep it simple, use simple maths of uh, someone spending a million dollars on buying a pharmacy. So seven to $800,000 of that debt will be secured against the pharmacy itself, which means you're needing other equity, other assets that the bank can secure, or you've got cash lying around, spare change, as we all do, of two, three hundred thousand dollars um, that uh, you know that you can you can cough up. But of course, if you ask that question early, particularly you go talk to finance brokers, you go talk to the banks and get an understanding of what that is, um, that may help you really early on. And particularly the finance brokers and the banks will also give you some good advice earlier on to get yourself in the best possible situation uh, when the funding question comes up. You know, paying off the, the credit cards, paying off um, any of the store cards, paying off the jet ski loan, things like that. Uh, it, it gives you a bit of time to go clear up your backyard before actually go launch into it. Um, also, the other part of this networking phase is to get an understanding of what type of pharmacy you want to own. And there's a, there's a big variety there. And so you look at metro versus regional. If you want to go regional, is that your regional, smaller regional towns? Uh, is it uh, your major regional towns? Or do you just want to stick to metro? Is it a medical centre pharmacy? Is it your small uh, suburban shopping centre? Or are you going to like a, uh, a street front strip of shops or your, your major... Uh, your major shopping centres, what type of pharmacy is preferable for you to own? Because they're all different. They all have their different uh, quirks, their different positives, negative issues. Uh, that This time of a couple of years leading up to when you want to do it, very good opportunity to do your research and to find out more about the intricacies of the different types of pharmacies that are around and actually what suits you the best. Uh, some of the other things you should be doing, and this uh, this next one I would suggest is your number one priority, is you've got to get support of family. Okay, You've got to understand how this is going to impact you and impact your family because it's a big decision. Uh, there's a lot of hours involved. There's a lot of stress. Uh, it's going to have an impact on uh, the home front and the dynamics of the home front. You, it's not only it's not about you. Is your partner's just as much 
emotionally invested and to some extent probably financially invested in this just as much as what you are. You need your support of your partner. Um, if you've got a young family and top babies, toddlers, or whether you're thinking about family, uh, the, the, the very first place you should be talking to is your partner and your family and does this, does this work because it's not for everyone. Um, the, a couple other minor points is, uh, well, not minor points, but a couple other points here is this is the stage in which you also figure out who do you need around you in your team, okay? So this is when you start talking to people and find out who do you need in your armory. Uh, the other point we, I want to make here is the Guild has this wonderfully awesome document called CP2025, and it goes through the research and, and findings about current and future business strategies for community pharmacy. It's a wonderful document and I thoroughly recommend anyone who's thinking about getting into pharmacy ownership, have a read of that and use that as your basis to understand the strategies that are going to work uh, and potentially can work and for you to develop your own strategies on what, uh, what what a successful community pharmacy could possibly look like. Uh, and I, I thoroughly recommend uh, any any budding pharmacy owner to go look at that research as is some very good stuff in there. You spoke about getting the right team around you. That's critical among some other really great advice that you just gave there. What areas should a successful team be covering off? Because you mentioned bankers and accountants and finance brokers, but what are the main areas that a, that a team of support people can put in place and give you advice to help you make that right decision? The main thing here is you want your team around you to be experts in pharmacy. Pharmacy is one of those rather peculiar industries. And uh, what, what I find, you know, particularly talking to some of the other uh the, the other young uh, owners or about to become owners is sometimes you get problems when you get advice from accountants or advice from lawyers or advice from bank managers who actually don't understand pharmacy that well and it leads to mistakes, uh, sometimes costly mistakes, it leads to delays. So the best thing you want around you at the moment is that team who understands the industry well. So first of all, or in no particular order, but the uh, first thing you need is an accountant. And there, there are various accountants uh, around Australia who, are, who you consider experts in pharmacy. Now, they are very critical at this early stage because you want them around you to give you guidance on the right types of legal structuring, uh, tax advice. They will help you with the due diligence phase, uh, the pre-purchase investigation phase. Um, they'll also have that expertise and that knowledge around them about, about the experience from others, what works, what doesn't. And it's very, very important that your accountant that you have your that you have around you is a uh, it, it has a really good understanding in pharmacy. You also want a very good lawyer, and again, a lawyer who understands pharmacy very well. Because like an accountant, your lawyer's probably going to be with you for life. So they will take you through the sale agreements. They will take you through reviewing any lease agreements. Uh, they'll be helping you with the settlement phase. Uh, to some extent, may also help you with uh, partnership agreements, shareholder agreements, unit holder agreements, 
they'll also help you along the way with any wills. Um, hopefully you won't be using them for any partnership disputes or anything like that, but hey, it does happen. Um, your lawyer will be with you for life. And uh, again, you find one who's quite experienced in pharmacy, um, you're going to be set up really well. You also want to have on hand uh, your finance broker and or bank manager. Now, I use the term and or because if you're not particularly financially savvy, uh, if you, you don't really understand finance and things like that, sometimes you may want to consider using a finance broker who will go do some of the research for you and go source out uh, you know, different offers from different banks and terms and conditions, things like that, and different structuring opportunities. Uh, and a finance broker can do that for you. Or, you know, if you think you've got a handle on it, you can go directly to the banks yourself. But again, uh, each bank will have their uh, – they have a particular departments and particular specialists that deal with health. And in that health department, you'll have those pharmacy specialists as well. And particularly finance brokers, there are finance brokers around Australia who, again, are, are really uh, savvy and have a lot of expertise in regards to pharmacy as well. So that's probably the four main people you need around you, your accountants, your lawyers, finance brokers and bank managers. That's the team you need around you and go source them out early so you get the guidance on what to do, what not to do before you've even started looking. Okay, so let's say someone has done some groundwork like you explained in the in the first part of the show, decided what it is they are looking for, they have an understanding of the available finances and they've got one of those great support networks in place and a good team around them. Now, let's say they have a potential business or an opportunity presented to them, what should they do? How do you actually start working through it all once that opportunity is presented to you? The biggest thing I can suggest people at, the, to, uh, at this stage is you've got to get your mindset right. Uh, some of the, the mistakes I, I often see is people are just not in the right emotional headspace. Now, what I'm meaning by that is you want to have a frame of mind of you don't have to do this. You, you don't buy the first house you see. You don't buy the first car you see. Uh, you don't even decide on – you don't even just look at one model and that's it. You, know, you, you don't have to do it. So you don't necessarily have to go for the first opportunity that's presented to you. So with that in mind, you want to be as objective as possible. This is probably one of the most riskiest decisions you're ever going to make in your life of investing quite a substantial amount of money into a business, in which there's no guarantee it's actually going to work. So you cannot be overly emotional at this stage and be overly emotional. What I'm really meaning there is you don't want to be too keen about it and too excited about it because sometimes the mistake you make at that point is you don't necessarily see or give enough weight to the risk areas and the threats. And uh, so you want to be as objective as possible. Do not be emotional about it all. Do not feel uh, forced into a decision. And you certainly do not feel uh, pressured into uh, making a decision. So make sure you get your mindset right. Be as objective as possible. 
Next thing you want to do when you've got that opportunity, uh, hopefully with the right mindset there, is you do your SWOT analysis. Now, SWOT analysis is probably pretty common, uh, but I'll go through it anyway. Your SWOT, the SWOT term stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So you just want to get a sheet of paper, divide it into four quadrants, and write at the top of each box, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And you want to write that down. What are the strengths of this business that you can maximize? Where are the weaknesses that you need to focus on, that you need to minimize, mitigate, and overcome? Where are the opportunities for growth? Where are the opportunities to to grow this? Where are the opportunities to reach out to that community and offer them uh, better, more supportive uh, health options? Where are the threats as well from competition or from uh, shopping centre changes or what are, what are the threats, even uh, economic and regulatory threats? Uh, what are the threats around there? What can you actually do about it and how, uh, how significant are those threats? And so with all those points jotted down, hopefully with an objective mind, you can look at all those different points in your SWOT analysis and get an understanding is is this the one that's good for you or is there too many weaknesses and too many threats that just not going to make it viable enough or is there enough opportunity here for me to be able to grow this and turn it into a successful community pharmacy? Uh, and, of course, at this phase, do not uh, forget your basic investment principles because you're investing in a, in a business, which is you still got to keep in mind your, your basic investment principles here. And, you know, you're looking at the concepts of, of growth, asset growth and income returns. So you're, if you're going to invest a million dollars into a pharmacy, you want to make sure that your income return from that is adequate for the investment and the risk that you're undertaking. Is, is it an is it enough of a return for the for the risk that you've just got yourself into? And what's the growth potential of that asset as well? What's the growth potential of the business? Is there uh, is there enough opportunities there for you to be able to grow it? Uh, new services, new products, um, you know, engage with the community better, so you can you can grow and have a, an extended reach into the community there. What are, what are the, the, the growth opportunities there? So, you know, you, you've got to understand those basic investment principles and do not, do not uh, ignore those at this critical stage. As you mentioned, you don't have to buy a pharmacy just because you're looking at some opportunities and being objective is very important, as you mentioned. So having said all of that, business ownership isn't for everyone. Business ownership can look really nice from the outside in and there's lots of positives. However, there are some things that need to be balanced and understood, aren't there? Oh, look, most certainly. I'd say the most common comment I get from new owners, and if you go talk to them six, 12 months later, and the common reaction I get is, I just didn't realise how hard it is. Uh, so, you know, understand here that there's there's a lot of hard work and a lot of time commitments, okay, because these businesses are going six, seven days a week, you know, they're going from early hours to early evening, sometimes longer. 
you know, there's a lot of time commitment there. There's a lot of hours that you need to invest in it. And and uh, some, unfortunately, make the mistake of saying, oh, I'm going to business, I have plenty of free time, and uh, no, 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 no. It doesn't necessarily work like that. So there's a lot of hard work involved. There's a lot of hours and there's a lot of time commitments because the difference between uh, being an employee and being a business owner is uh, your employee, you have your eight to six day, Monday to Friday, whatever your roster is, and you go home and have some fun and, and, and that's it. Uh Whereas if you're a business owner, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can guarantee you, you're going to be awake at three in the morning worrying about something. It, 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 is, a, it is a lifestyle commitment. Also understand the skill sets that you need here because you're not just a pharmacist. And at this point, yeah, you'd like to hope that you're a pretty good pharmacist too. But there's a lot of other skill sets you need. I mean, you've got to be uh, an expert in leading teams. You've got to be a leader. You've got to be an entrepreneur. You've got to be a strategist. Um, you've got to be an adjudicator. You've got to be a marketing expert, an IT expert, a legal expert, a tax and accounting expert just within the first half hour of every day. The, the, the range of skill sets you need, of course, you'll develop these over the time like everyone else does. Um, you've also got to be that type of person who – can handle pressure and stress. It, 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 it's going to happen. Pressure and stress is going to be there. It is not easy. And it's not for everyone. You know, that pressure and stress, uh, some people cope with it very well. Uh, some people don't. Some people can adjust to it. Um, some people just don't want that stress in their life. Uh, so just understand, is this really for you? Does this really suit the lifestyle that you want to live. Um, also, understand here, this is risky. There is no guarantee this is going to work, okay? It's unfortunate, but some pharmacy owners will lose their shirt. It, it, it happens. It's not nice. We don't want it to happen, but it is a reality of running a business. It is no guarantee this is going to work. There's no guarantee it's going to be successful. So in that regard, you also want to ask yourself, and particularly this is the discussion you want to have with your partner as well, is what happens if it doesn't work? What's the downside? What have we got to lose here? You know, you're, you're knowing that your house and your house is more than likely going to be on the line. Are you okay with that? Uh, do you really understand that your house is on the line? Um, so really, that's where you go talk to your lawyers and talk to your accountants early. Say. If this doesn't work out, what are the implications? Um, and in saying that, I don't want to certainly don't want to come across all uh, all negative Nancy and and everything like that. Uh, but there are opportunities around there. Uh, you know, there are some uh, very good pharmacies. There are some cracking good pharmacy owners around the place, um, and the the opportunities are there. And uh, if you find lucky enough to find the right business and with lots of hard work and time and commitment and uh, willing to make changes, um, you know, you can turn businesses around and, and uh, you can create something absolutely fantastic, but it is not easy. Um, but uh, the opportunities are there and uh, the opportunities are presenting themselves now. Uh, just got to be smart and diligent about it and make sure you've got a good team around you. You've dealt with a lot of first-time business owners and, of course, we want someone to purchase of a pharmacy to work out well, but sometimes mistakes do happen. What are some of those common mistakes that you see first-time buyers make that maybe we can help them avoid? 
Oh, look, certainly there's um, – if I look at some of the, the, the young pharmacists that have come to me, you know, if I look at the last 12 months, um, one of the common mistakes I see is they are too emotional about it. Uh, some of them, uh, it's even mistaken. I can, I, I can uh, clearly remember some pharmacy owners, so some uh, young pharmacists, of uh, they're just so excited about owning a business and they just can't see the problems and can't see the risks in front of them or they just don't give those risks and threats enough weight. So one of the common... Uh, some common problems that I see in first-time buyers make, they're just too excited about it. And uh, sometimes you need to tone that excitement down and just understand the risks there and the problems you've got. Um, uh, some of the other problems that I see is just not getting enough advice earlier on. Uh, so I'm just, just launching into it and, uh, and not getting enough advice, sometimes which can be potentially costly. Um, you know, in time delays, paying too much, going into the wrong deal, you know. Um, so there's problems there. Um, some of the other uh, problems that I see, and this links back to the emotional stage as well, is uh, you've got those who are just so keen that they end up paying too much and they never get their money back. Um, that's another problem. Um Certainly, a common one is sometimes they're just not patient enough. Uh, sometimes, and I've I've known young ones who have um, first-time pharmacy owners have sometimes waited five years to find an opportunity, and sometimes the first opportunity comes their way, they just they just launch at it and just do it and think, well, if I don't go for this one, uh, another one is I'm going to have to wait another five years. So. Sometimes I think they're just not patient enough and they are uh, going into the first one thinking this is the only opportunity I'm going to get. And sometimes it's not the case. You've got to be patient, particularly if you understand the risks that you're about to go into. Just wait your time, listen to the advice from the experts around you and um, yeah, be patient. You don't have to go for the first one that you see. The, one of the other common things... This is a question I ask every single pharmacy owner when they, um, uh, young pharmacists, when they're coming uh, coming to me and looking at buying a pharmacy or something like that. The question I always ask them, how are you going to grow the business? Okay, and not enough of them have, have enough knowledge or can even answer that question and they don't necessarily know what strategies they've got there to actually grow the business. Uh, sometimes the, the response is, oh, I'll get in there, I'll just uh, give really good service to the customers. So it's, it's not enough in, in, in today's age of pharmacy with uh, competition and threats that are out there and all the issues that are around. It's, sometimes it's just not enough. So there is sometimes mistakes they've got is they don't understand or have solid enough strategies to know how they're going to grow a business when they when they see it for the first time, and I think that's a uh, it's a bit of a failing. But it's um, I think there's a lot more 
research and knowledge that young ones need to have, first-time pharmacy owners need to have before they go in and what what not necessarily what works and what doesn't, but what are some of the strategies out there that others are employing that I could use and apply to this situation? Due diligence would help alleviate or at least address some of those common mistakes that you just spoke about. And due diligence is something that always gets discussed around big deals and rightly so because it's important. As such, for those who haven't maybe had much experience with due diligence, what exactly is due diligence and what does it address or protect us from? Okay. So to give you an understanding here, uh, when you have a sale agreement, okay, uh, you have an agreement between a buyer and seller that, uh, uh, that the buyer agrees to buy this business for this price. And in that agreement, there's certain conditions that need to be met before that agreement becomes unconditional. And some of those uh, conditions you've got to uh, you've got to work through, subject to finance, pharmacy board approval, assignment of lease, etc. One of the other conditions is subject to due diligence. Now it's like a it's like a pre-purchase investigation as such. So it covers uh, legal, financial, operational areas, but it's like a pre-purchase investigation. So this gives you the time. And, uh, and and space, I suppose, to have a really good investigation into the financial figures and the trading performance, and really have a good look into the business to so you get a good understanding about what it is you're actually buying, and for you to find out are there any problems, are there any risk areas that I didn't initially see when I was first looking at it. Um, it is that pre-purchase investigation. That's the right way of looking at it. But note here that you're not going to get an opinion from your accountant and your accountant is the one you need on board here who's going to help you through the due diligence process. But your accountant is never going to tell you, yes, you should buy this business or no, you shouldn't. That's not the accountant's role to do that. They're, the accountant's role in this due diligence process is to undertake this investigation on areas that you want the accountant to, to to investigate and to report back to you on the facts and the findings. It's up to you to determine what you're going to do about that and as to whether you want to go ahead with it or not. So typically in most sale agreements, uh, there's normally a time frame around it. So it can vary. It can be yeah, 21 days from sign of from, uh from uh, the, the date of the agreement. Sometimes it can be uh, 21 days or 28 days from the time the buyer receives all the information requested. So generally there's a time frame around it in which you get to conduct your due diligence and then report back as to whether you have, uh, whether you're satisfied with that condition or not. Now generally what I would uh, advise at this stage is, and what is have a, a time frame from from when you receive all information requested. So what you don't want to do is have say yeah you know, 28 days from the date of the contract, and then the seller takes three weeks to uh, get the information. And you've got one week to go through the information and report back. It just doesn't give you enough time. 
So really what you want to do is have 28 days from the time you receive all the information requested and from when you've received that information, then you've got 28 days to go through it and that will give you sufficient time for you and your accountant to go through all the data, investigate it all and really understand what it is that you're buying. So um, it's very, very important if you think of what you're doing the, the risk and the undertaking here uh, is very, very important and you've got to have your accountant on site at this time. As you mentioned, due diligence is essentially a pre-purchase investigation and it gives you and your accountant time to start working through all of that information and you outline that it would usually cover legal, financial and operational areas. But in that time period, what are some common things that due diligence can uncover that would raise some serious red flags for somebody and their advising team that they, maybe they need to cover off or might put them off buying a pharmacy? I suppose one of the main things that uh, because what buyers want is they want to see that the financial statements and all the data contained within the financial statements can, they, can be backed up. You know, you, you want to see all, um, you know, all the source information is readily available and supports what the financial statements represent. Where things go wrong is when the buyer, so when the seller, just the, the state of their financial records is just poor. Uh, and when, when the accountant and the buyer just can't get a good handle on the figures and how they're made up, uh, that that just turns people off, and that that's been enough for uh, for some deals to not go ahead. Um, you know, uh, poor trading performance. Uh, you know, when uh, you're when the accountant and and the owner and the buyer I should say uh, when the accountant and the buyer really get into the financial performance and really have a look at the data, and they say this is just a, a good proper train wreck now. And uh, that sometimes is enough for them to walk away because um, they just – it may not be uh, recoverable, I suppose. Um, some of the other things that have uh, caused deals not to go ahead, funnily enough, I don't understand this, but sometimes the sellers are just uncooperative and just not willing to release uh, information or answer questions sufficiently that we've got. Uh, and it does happen. It's I, I still don't understand why, but it, it does happen. Um, other things, uh, changes in competition. Uh, sometimes uh, you get these bad timing of events from when uh, a um, uh, someone uh, makes an offer and there's been some significant change in competition in the meantime um, that uh, can sometimes... Uh, uh, change things. Uh, sometimes uh, it's also lease agreement terms as well. And by the time uh, the, your lawyer, the buyer's lawyer has gone through the lease agreement and seen some of the terms and conditions, uh, sometimes that's enough for uh, a deal to not go ahead. Um, but mostly, you know, poor state, poor con, um, financial records, uh, that's generally the thing that uh, will, will stop deals going ahead. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of reasons. It's not common, but it, it certainly does happen. John, you are chock full of amazing advice for those looking at owning their own pharmacy. But if I had to put you on the spot as a final piece of advice, what do you think is the most important piece of advice that you can give to somebody considering pharmacy ownership? Get good advisors and get them early. Uh, I think that's the most most critical thing is 
in in the, like a couple of years before when you think you're ready is get some good advisors around you, uh, do your networking, and really try to understand is this really for you? Uh, you keep in mind you, you don't have to do this at all. There's no one telling you need to do this. Get good advisors around you. Understand if this is really for you. Are you willing to accept the risk? Can you see the opportunities out there? But above all, just don't be too emotional about it all. Just be as level-headed and as objective as possible. That's probably the, the biggest advice I can give people. Just don't be emotional about it. Just be careful about what you're doing. The opportunities are there, but just be careful. John, if the listeners want to get in touch and learn more about how you and Peak Strategies Chartered Accountants can help them purchase a pharmacy, what can they do? Oh, best thing is to go to our website, peakstrategies.com.au. Uh, we've got a whole mountain of blogs there covering all sorts of things from uh, um, taxation and business strategy to uh, marketing and all sorts of things we've got on there. It's all 100% pharmacy. Uh, so there's some great content for uh, uh, for people who are think if they're thinking about owning a pharmacy, go there. There's a lot of blogs and in guest blogs from others, um, other pharmacy professional advisors around as well, around the country. Uh, some good blogs there. There's a lot of things that they can read there that's going to help them. Jump on our socials as well on Instagram or, or, or Facebook as well. There's always things there. And have a look. And uh, that's best best way to get in touch with us. And some good content for uh, for young people as well to, uh, to, to, to start their learning and start their research. Outstanding. John Thornett, Director at Peak Strategies Chartered Accountants. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your expertise and insights into buying pharmacies. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks again, John, for those insights. As you outlined, buying a pharmacy is a big step and taking careful and considered steps in preparing to enter pharmacy ownership is crucial. Following a sound process of research and due diligence supported by a strong network of professionals, and loved ones will help you to avoid the pitfalls of pharmacy purchase. If you would like to speak to John or another member of the Peak Strategies team about buying a pharmacy, simply go to www.peakstrategies.com.au. The Guild also has several resources and expertise to help you take the steps towards ownership. For more information and support, contact your local Guild branch. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 35 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.